Masechta's Kodem Perek Hei Mishnah Dalad until Perek Vov Mishnah Aleph. The Masechta has really moved into its second half, and the focus is far less to do with Shkolem and the donations of the Machsa Shekel itself, and it's more to do with the general running of the Beis HaMikdosh. The previous Mishnah began to tell us that when one brought Nesachim for a particular Korban, Nesachim includes wine and flour which is mixed with oil, which are brought with the Korbanos, and in general one wouldn't bring oil or wine or flour from his house to bring it with the Korban, because it had to be very tahar, it had to be totally pure, and so it was far easier that the Bishamikdosh would take care of that, and when you brought the Korban, then you would obtain the oil, the flour, and the wine from the Bishamikdosh and bring it with your Korban. Now, each korban had a different amount of wine, oil, and flour which needed to be brought with it. And therefore, there were different chesomis, pieces of paper with different things written on it, which would indicate which nesachim he needed. So the Mishnah tells us, Mishum Rakish Nesachim, somebody who needed Nesachim to be brought with his korban, he would go to Yochanan ben Pinchas, who we learned in the first Mishnah was Shehumamun al Chesomais, was appointed over these Chesomais, these pieces of paper, which indicated which Nesachim were necessary. Nesachim he would give him money according to how many Nesachim he needed, and he would tell him, let's say, I am bringing a korban of a Metzairah, the three korbanos of a Metzairah, and the Kalbim menu Chesom, he would receive a Chesom, a piece of paper, from Yochanan ben Pinchas. And on that piece of paper, we learned in the previous Mishnah, was written one or two words, indicating which Nesachim he needed. And so he took that Chesom, bought it to Achiyah. He then came to Achiyah, Shumimun al Nesachim, who was appointed over the Nesachim themselves. When it's no Chesom, he would give him the Chesom, and the Kalbim menu Nesachim, and he would receive from Achiyah the Nesachim, which he had paid for, and then he would go and offer that up together with his carbon. Vula Erev, and every evening, Boin Zeh Achia and Yechonon ben Pinchas would meet up, they would come towards each other, Achia would bring out all of the Chesomis which he had received, and he had given a Sochim in return for them, and he would receive corresponding to each Chesom, he would receive money from Yechonon ben Pinchas. Yechonon received all of the money, and would give out to people the Chesomis, and Achia would receive all of the Chesomis, and so it was supposed to be that the price of all of the Chesomis put together would match up exactly with the amount of money which Yechonon ben Pinchas had had received. But if there was more money than that, then we assume that somebody must have wanted to give a bit more money to the Beis HaMikdash, and say paid a bit more, and so that extra goes to the Beis HaMikdash. But if there is less money than the amount of Chesomais, so now we assume that Yochanan must have lost some of the money. And even though in general perhaps Yochanan wouldn't have needed to pay if he was just looking after the money, in this case, Yochanan had to pay from his own pocket because of the rule which we have seen before, so he had Hekdash al Halyona, because Hekdash, the base of property, has the upper hand. Mishnah, if somebody has bought a chesom from Yechon ben Pinchas, but then he lost his chesom before managing to give it to Achia and to actually receive the wine, oil, and flour. So we tell him to wait until the evening when Yechon ben Pinchas and Achia will meet and calculate whether there is any extra money. And in Motzloi if they find that exactly the amount of money, which is the cost of this person's chesom, is extra, so that means that obviously he had lost his chesom, and that would be the reason why there's a bit extra money, because Achia had not received this chesom, even though it had been paid for, and therefore Nesunle, in that case, they would give him the Nesachim, corresponding to the worth of that chesom. But if not, if there is not exactly that amount of money extra, even if there is more money extra, we assume that that is just because of somebody who designated some more money. 
There is no longer an indication that that is the reason why there is extra money. There's no longer a guarantee that it's because of this missing chaysam. And therefore, he would not be entitled to those nachsachim, and he would need to buy them again. And ends off the mission of Hashem Hayom Kosov Alehen. The exact date was written on the chaysamais. Because of the liars and the cheats, who would find a chaysam which had been lost from someone, and they would pick it up and use it without having actually paid for it. So if you write the date on it, then it's far less likely that somebody will be able to do that, because it would mean that you would have to find it on the exact same day as it was lost. So that would be unlikely, and therefore they would not be able to dishonestly use that chaysam. There were two particular chambers in the Mesa Mikdash. One was called the Chamber of the Quiet Ones, and one was called the Chamber of Utensils. Now, what exactly were these chambers for? The Chamber of the Ones Who Are Quiet. That refers to people who fear sin, people who are righteous, would put money into that chamber quietly. And poor people who are sons of people who are wealthy, so they had gone down and become poor, they would be supported from this chamber's money also quietly, meaning that the people who gave the tzedakah wouldn't know who would receive it, and the people who would receive the money wouldn't know who gave it, so they wouldn't be embarrassed. It's often much harder for them to receive charity if they came from a wealthy background. So this is one of the chambers, and this way of giving tzedakah is considered one of the highest forms of giving tzedakah, because it means that the person who receives it isn't embarrassed at all or ashamed, and he knows that nobody knows that he is poor, and also the person who gave it doesn't feel any pride over that person or anything, and this is considered to be a mitzvah really lishma, a mitzvah for the right sake, for the right reason. That was the first chamber. Lishkas in the second chamber, the chamber of the utensils, kol mishum kli. Anybody who wanted to designate a utensil to the base, amikdash zorka would throw that utensil into this chamber, and it would be filled up with lots of utensils, v'achas and once every 30 days, gizborim paischa Besamidosh treasurers would open up this chamber, and any utensil which they saw a need for the running of the Besamidosh, they saw that that utensil itself could be used as it was, they would leave it there, the Hasha'ar, and the rest of the utensils, which they themselves couldn't be used in the actual service of the Besamidosh, or in the technical running side of the Besamidosh, they would be sold for their value, and using that money, and the money would fall to the chamber of the Berekabayas, meaning the money could be used really for anything needed for the running of the Beis HaMikdosh. Because the previous Mishnah listed a chamber in which one would be able to designate utensils to the Beis HaMikdosh, much of this Perek will discuss the 13 boxes which were situated in the Beis HaMikdosh, into which one would be able to designate money for the Beis HaMikdosh and the different functions of these boxes, as we will see later on in the Perek. Now because there are 13 of these, the Mishnah also discusses two other things which were, there were 13 of them, in the Beis HaMikdosh, and that will really take up the first half of the Perek, before you reach the discussion of the 13 boxes into which one could designate money for the Beis HaMikdosh. Now as an introduction to the Perek, the Mishnah tells us, there were 13 shofar-shaped boxes into which one could designate money for the Beis HaMikdash. When we say chauffeur shaped, that means that they were narrow at the top and wider at the bottom, so that one couldn't take money out from the top 
where it would look like he's actually putting in money, but he's actually taking out money and stealing it. So this way, if it was narrow at the top, then you wouldn't be able to do that, and that's why it was shaped like that. Number two, there are 13 tables. There wasn't only the main shulchan of the Beis HaMikdash, there were also 12 other smaller shulchanos. And thirdly, there were 13 times where one would bow down. When he entered and came into the Beis HaMikdash, Hoi Mikdash, there was in the Beis HaMikdash. Shalbeis Roman Gamliel, the Shalbeis Rabichaninus Ganakayanim, the members of Roman Gamliel and Rabichaninus Ganakayanim's households, Hoi Mishtachvin Arba Esrei, they would actually bow down 14 times. The Hechon Hoi Seyram, where was that extra 14th time? Where would they do that extra bowing? And when we say bowing, that means bowing down totally flat on their faces. It was opposite the chamber in which the wood for the Mizbeach was stored. She came to Suris, because they had a tradition which was passed down from their fathers. Shesham Ha'orinignaz, that that was where the Oren HaKodesh was hidden. Yosho HaMelech, when he heard that the Beis HaMikdash was going to be destroyed, he hid the Oren HaKodesh underground. When the Beis HaMikdash was originally built by Shlomo HaMelech, he had developed underground passageways, and somewhere there they had a tradition that Yosho HaMelech had hidden the Oren. Be it as it may, every time somebody would enter the Beis HaMikdash, they would enter and then turn to their right and walk all around the Beis HaMikdash, around the sides, and as they passed each of the gates, they would bow down flat on their faces, and the next couple of Mishnahs will elaborate more on how and where they would bow down.